Praise the Lord. Can we all stand? We're going to pray together if we can remain standing. And Lord, we are just so thankful to be here today. Thank you for your presence. Lord, thank you for the beauty of your holiness in this place. Lord, we know that sometimes we face many things in life, but thank you that we have another life, another day, that we can stand in awe of who you are. We worship your holy name. Won't you just put your hand on your heart? Could you say this with me? Holy Spirit, I commit this time to you. And I ask you, speak to my heart. Let your word transform my life and bring about fruit that glorifies you. Open my eyes, open my ears to hear your truth to understand your word. Thank you that you have so much in store for me, in store for my family. I believe that in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. You may take your seats. Amen. We are so thankful to be here all the way from South Africa, as you heard. And um, we are so privileged to be here in Nashville with all of you, and we love your pastors, Pastor, lead pastor, Pastor Alvin, and his amazing wife, Jasmine, and uh, we love them so much, and he said a lot, but he's one of my best friends in the whole world, though I'm on the other side of the world. People in Africa, they don't want to be my friends, so I do find a friend, <laughs> I do find a friend in Nashville. Uh, but God has connected us, and I thank God for friendships that build and edify, and, and uh, we love them, and we're so thankful to be here. And it's a privilege and an honor for us to be with you guys today. And uh, are you happy to be at church today? Are you smiling? Come on, if someone around you is not smiling, just remind them, this is not a funeral. This is a, this is a church service. We are happy to be here. And uh, we are thankful for them and also their amazing parents. We love you guys so much. And um, we are just honored and blessed to know you. And you've impacted our lives as well. And we are just thankful for all that God is doing. Amen. And of course, I am. last time I was here and I wasn't as happy because my wife wasn't with me. All right. All uh, right. I think we should close the service, right, on that note. No, but I've got my beautiful wife, and she's going to say a few words, and it's good to have you with me this time. Good morning, everyone. Is everyone doing well today? Congratulations on uh, finishing your fast, uh, or your fast. Um, we're going to say it in, in different accents, but you guys are going to know what we're talking about. And um, God is such an incredible God, and He is faithful to His Word. Amen? And uh, I'm just going to take a, a few minutes to just encourage everyone as you are coming out of an incredible time of fasting as a church. Uh, in the book of Philipp uh, Ephesians 2, from verse 4, this is what it says. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
Amen. So that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So uh, this morning, I just want to quickly speak about how it is such a privilege. It's such a kindness towards us from God that he made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ. We are seated together with him. And our walk with Christ comes from that revelation that I am seated in heavenly places with Christ. And even as you are sitting now, sitting is a time of rest, yes? So we've got to serve God from that place of rest to say, thank you, Lord, that what Jesus has done on the cross for me, it allows me to sit in heavenly places with him so I can serve him from a place of rest. I can fight from a place of rest. Why? Because there is a finished work of the cross. You know, um, when God had uh, created everything in six days, he rested on the seventh day. But when he was making Adam, you know that Adam's first day was then the Sabbath because he was made on the sixth day. But the first thing that he got into was a time of rest. So God has already done that work. He's already done that work. So we get to enter into rest with him and walk from a place of rest with him. And, you know, we need to have this revelation because sometimes then we think, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. But Jesus is like, no, I've already done the work. So even when you claim your victory in, the, in, 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 in everything that Jesus has done, when you claim that victory, you claim it from, it's not because of what I have done, but it is because of what he has done, and I'm seated in heavenly places with him. And, you know, with God in uh, Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Again, he makes us rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. There's a lot of peace when we are walking with God. There's a lot of peace. Amen. And he restores my soul. Let your soul be restored because you allow God to get you into a place of rest. Where there's commotion on the inside of us and no peace on the inside, that is when we become uh, unstable and double-minded. But he wants us to be solid in him because he restores our souls and then he can lead us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And then it says, and so when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You are with me. Say, God is with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, seated in heavenly places with Christ. No dark time, no challenge you are facing can change that you are seated in heavenly places with Christ. And you see that heavenly place where Christ is, that is why that beautiful song we are singing, and it's in Ephesians too, as, it's in Ephesians as well, where it says, he's seated up there. Why? Because he's high above all the drama down here. He's high above all the principalities, powers, rulers of authority, dominions, thrones. His name is high and lifted up. No other name like him. 
So then our strength comes from that to say, I'm not only just seated with Christ, I'm seated with the one who conquered, the victor of heaven. In the book of Colossians, it speaks about how he canceled the record that was upon against our lives by doing what? Nailing it to the cross. He disarmed, disarmed the rulers of darkness, disarmed the principalities and powers. That is who you are seated with. So you don't have to fear. That is why you can say, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is there. He is there. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is there with you. Say it again. Say, God is there with you. Amen. And then it says that you anoint my head with oil. Hallelujah. And my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So rest in the Lord. Serve him from that place. Work from that place. But we need to learn to rest in him. Rest in the finished work of the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm going to go ahead and and I'm going to take time to pray for you. And uh, everything that you have been fasting and praying for, hold on to it. Nothing can take away what Jesus has done in your life and what the cross has won for you. No difficult situation, no circumstance can take that away from you because you are seated in heavenly places with him. And so though a thousand may fall on your right one side and 10,000 on your other side, what is God saying? He's like, sit God is just like, sit. And you're like, oh, but God, look at what's happening. Look what's happening in my marriage. Look what's happening with my children, with the economy, with, you know, we, we have, we from different countries, but there's drama in every country. Hallelujah. And God is just like, no, sit. Sit in the presence of your enemies, which is not human beings. Amen. Satan in the kingdom of darkness and all the attacks he's bringing. And Lord is like, no, sit. In Psalm 91, it says, you will only look with your eye and see the reward of the wicked. Sit and see how the Lord is going to fight for you. Sit and see how the Lord is going to conquer for you. He's the God that goes before you. Amen. Amen. Let us pray together today. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see every person here today, every family represented, every marriage represented, every financial situation represented, every miracle and breakthrough that is needed. But Lord, we thank you for the finished work of the cross, that Lord, you have already won it all for us. And so Lord, we make a decision to enter into a place of rest with you, where we are where we are serving you, Lord, from a place of rest because we are content in the finished work of the cross. And Lord, I pray that where there's discouragement, that Lord Jesus, hope will come alive. I pray that all discouragement would leave and all, all, all restlessness would leave right now in the name of Jesus. We take authority, Lord, over the power of the enemy that is at work in people's lives today. We, we bind that power of, of Satan today by the blood of the Lamb of God that was slain.
And thank you, Lord, that there is victory in the blood of Jesus, that Jesus has redeemed us from the power of the enemy and has brought forgiveness into our lives. Thank you that by the blood of Jesus, we are redeemed and we are forgiven and we have been cleansed and we are justified by you and you sanctify us and set us apart, Lord, for a better life. So in the name of Jesus today, everything that that each person has been praying for, fasting for, Lord, help them, Lord, to keep on holding on to it, no matter what happens in this year, because they know that you are the God who will be with them, you will comfort them, you will anoint them, Lord Jesus, for everything that is to come. Thank you, you're the God who goes before us, and you'll fight every battle for us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Amen. Wow. I think we just wrapped this up right now. That was... <laughs> Praise the Lord. God is good. God is good. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to jump straight into um, the word, well, more word. We're going to look at the book of John chapter 12. And Jesus speaking to his disciples. And we are so thankful again to be here with you. And I heard there's even people watching online. And those who are sitting on the balcony, I've got this prophetic revelation that you're on another level. <laughs> Man. So we're going to look at John chapter 12. And verse 26, sorry, verse 24, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit or much grain. Another translation says, it produces a great harvest. Who's trusting the Lord for a great harvest in this year, 2024, right? Who's trusting the Lord for great fruit? Amen. Well, I want to share with you along the idea of inside out. Say with me, inside out. What we see throughout scripture and what we've learned in our lives and even learned from those who are leading us is that God never does anything outside in. God only works inside out. And sometimes as believers, sometimes as Christians, we pray for things that we want to see on the outside without accepting the process that will be necessary that starts on the inside. If you are in agriculture, if you are a farmer, you understand that in order to get a great harvest, that there has to be a process of sowing, there has to be a process of planting, and there has to be a process of fertilizing and watering. But sometimes as Christians, we get this idea that we can get stuff from God on the outside without being who we need to be on the inside. And so the Lord has more for you. Amen. 
I'll take my own amen right there. I'll take an African amen right there. All right. The Lord has so much more for you. I want you to know something. God doesn't accept the level you're at. What brings glory to God, John 15, Jesus says that you bear much fruit. The Greek word there is mega, mega fruit. In other words, he wants you to have a mega marriage that is so pure and loving and intimate. It's the best marriage. He wants you to have a mega family, not in terms of size, in terms of how much love and unity and the fruit of the Spirit and peace that when people walk into your home, they think, wow, God lives here. God wants you to bring Him glory in every area of your life, bearing much fruit. But in order to bear the fruit that you have been designed to bear, Jesus tells us there's a process. And He says that grain of wheat needs to fall into the ground and it has to die. There are some things in our lives that have to die before we see the fruit that was given to us by divine, divine um, planning of the Lord over our lives. You know, I found that many Christians, they want the resurrection, but they don't want the death. And you can't have resurrection if there's no death. So we say, well, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, yeah, for him to be risen, he first had to die. There are things that God is asking of us. He says there's some things that you're going to have to get rid of, that you're going to have to kill in your life to have the things I have prepared for you. And some of us are really praying for things, and God is saying, I want to give it to you, but I can't answer that prayer until you submit to the process. And throughout Scripture, we see the process. It's evident. All over Scripture, you see the same process that God has ordained. He said, as long as the earth remains, the principle of sowing and reaping, of harvest, it will remain forever. Did you see how God created everything? The clues of the process are in that. In the first three days of creation, God was simply forming. That's all he did. He was forming. He separated the heavens from the earth, day one. Then he separated the water from the land. Then he, God was forming everything, preparing everything. And then the next three days, he filled the formation. So he filled on the fourth day the heavens with the stars. On the fifth day, he filled the water with fish and the air with birds. On the sixth day, he filled the land with every living creature, including mankind. And then on the sixth day, he spoke a commandment over what he had formed and filled, and he said, be fruitful. So throughout scripture, you see the same process. There is first formation, then there is fulfillment, then there is fruitfulness. But sometimes as a Christian, you're praying for the fruit, but you don't want to go through the formation. But if you don't go through the formation, you can't receive the fulfillment. And that is the fulfillment that brings the fruitfulness. 
Because if you want a great harvest, you're going to need rain. The rain of heaven. The rain of the Holy Spirit. You're going to need open heavens over your life. But I'm here to tell you that you don't get that rain from just living how you want to live. If you want the rain of heaven, you have to allow God to form your character. He says, be holy as I am holy. Be perfect. In fact, it's the very last verse in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And then in chapter 6, we'll get to it, he gives us the formula of living in that perfection. And so what am I here to say to you today? is that God has designed a great harvest for your life. He's calling you to an, a, a new level in every area. He's got more glory for you, glory to glory, faith to faith, grace to grace. God has got more in store for you. But he needs you to be prepared, like in the book of Acts. You know, when you talk to people about the book of Acts, you say, when you think about it as a Christian, what happened in the book of Acts? What's the big thing that happened? Everyone will say, Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came down like rain, like fire, like a roaring, rushing wind. The Holy Spirit came into that room. They were full of the Spirit and of anointing and of power. Peter got up and preached. So everyone talks about in the book of Acts, the rain. And what happened after it rained? There was a harvest. 3,000 people came into the kingdom. And the revival of the early church spread throughout the world. So there was rain. There was harvest. But people forget that the rain only came in chapter 2. There was a first chapter. What happened in the first chapter? 120 people were together in the same place for 10 days doing what? Praying. Doing what? Seeking the face of God. Doing what? Consecrating themselves. Did you notice that in the book of Acts, the rain didn't fall on the entire Jerusalem? I want you to understand this today. Just because you pray in Jesus' name doesn't mean that you qualify for His rain. There's a level of holiness, presence, there's a level of anointing that he has designed for you, but he cannot give it to you until you are prepared. And what was God doing between the resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of the rain of heaven? What was he doing for those 50 days, for those 10 or so days that they were praying in the upper room? He was preparing the hearts of those people to receive the rain. He was forming them. They were humbling themselves. They had to deal with themselves. They were fasting. They were praying. And what was happening? God was preparing them for his rain. And his rain would bring what? A harvest. I wonder if you are prepared for the things you are praying for. And I want to just share with you a scripture, and then we're going to look at the three things Jesus says we need in order to be prepared and have a life that is constantly attracting open heavens and the reign of God over our lives. And it's in the book of 2 Kings chapter 3. I want to show you a picture of 
how we live sometimes. And the worst thing is that God wants to give us so much, but because of how we think, we frustrate his plans because we don't live in the necessary place of holiness. And it says in 2 Kings chapter 3, it says, Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel, and he reigned for 12 years. So Jehoram was the king of Israel. His father was Ahab. Have you ever heard of Ahab? And his wife, his wife's name was? Jezebel. Right? In the history of Scripture, Ahab and Jezebel were the most evil leaders in the, in the history of the nation. The most evil. That's obvious. They caused the entire nation to depart from God and serve Baal. They set up pillars. They set up altars. Even in, the, in front of God's temple for Baal. Right? They were the most evil. And here comes their son. And listen to what it says. In verse 2 it says, And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and mother, for he put away the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had made. Verse 3, Nevertheless, he persisted in the sins of Jeroboam. He did not depart from them. I want to share this with you. Because I think that sometimes we have the same attitude that this young king had. Where he thought that he was okay just because he was a little bit better than his parents. I want you to know today, God doesn't judge you according to the holiness of your parents. God doesn't judge you according to the standard of the society you live in. God doesn't care about class average. In other words, He doesn't look at the grades of everyone around you to determine your grade. He looks at Himself. Because He created you in His image, not in your parents' image. And so when God judges us, He doesn't lower the standard because He knows how He created us. And He knows who He created you to be. And what we do, we can be like this king that said, but at least I'm not as bad as my parents. But the Bible still says He was evil. He did evil in the sight of God. And so I want you to understand that you might be better than your parents. You might have done something better than those around you. You might look at society and say, well, at least I'm not that crazy and think that I'm okay. But I want you to know when God pulls out his report card on you, his standard is himself. His holiness is our standard. His word, not American culture. Not generations past. You can say, but as a father, at least I'm going to be around. That is not the whole report card. And so we justify a mediocre level of holiness because of how we compare ourselves to what we see around us or what has gone before us. But I'm telling you today that God wanted this man to stop persisting in his sin. He had more in store for him. 
It says that he persisted. In other words, he became familiar and started accepting things in his life that were unholy, and he knew it. He knew that there were things that were not right, and he accepted it, and he persisted in it. And he could never become who God designed him to be, who God created him to be. This young man could have turned the nation around, as many other kings in the Bible did. This young man could have taken the nation in a new direction, into the harvest, into the blessing of God. But he never did. Why? Because he continued to persist in things he knew were unholy. I'm telling you today that there are things maybe you've been struggling for many years, things you haven't overcome, things you've allowed, things you've accepted. But God says, if you want the more that I have for you, you're going to have to kill some stuff. You're going to have to get rid of some stuff. And the good news is that he will help you. He will set you free. You don't have to accept where you are at. God will bring things that seem dead and hopeless back to life. Hallelujah. In every area of your life. Now, I want to give you the three keys Jesus gives us in how to live a life of formation where God is forming us and preparing us, a life of repentance, a life that attracts open heavens. And Jesus gives us three secrets. He says every child of God should have these three secrets. Have you ever heard of that before? <laughs> I promise you it's not an African doctrine, all right? I'm going to show you in Scripture. So in Matthew 5, 48, he says, be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. And then chapter 6 begins. How can I ever attain that holiness? How can I ever get deeper in who God has called me to be? Well, Jesus says there are three secrets you should have. The very first one, he says in verse 1, he says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward, let's call it no harvest, from your Father in heaven. He says, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. Someone say secret. He says your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who is in secret will himself reward you openly. Openly. What does Jesus say? He says, well, the first thing every child of God should have, they should have the secret of generosity. Not giving like the hypocrites to be seen by other people. You know, some people, all they do is, when they do something good is they tell everyone about it. They want everyone to know how much they give. Everyone to know how much they serve. Everything they do is an Instagram story. Everything they do is on social media. And it's like, look how holy I am. And Jesus himself says, if you tell other people about the good that you do, you have no reward from heaven. Because you are not doing it for the sake of love. 
you are doing it to be seen. Whenever you do something to seem holy, it's just evident that you are not holy. Right? And Jesus says you should give and not tell anyone because it's who you are. You should serve. And, and we're not just talking finances. I know when we talk giving, we think money. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your effort. You were tired. You wanted to go home. But instead, you went and visited that person who needed encouragement. You went and gave what you had left for someone who didn't have. What is the definition of charity is giving without expecting reciprocation. That's what charity is, that I'm giving to you not so that I can receive, but I'm giving for the sake of giving, not for the sake of receiving. Isn't that how we are sometimes? We give, and then we're like, why aren't you giving back? For God so loved the world that he gave. Giving is the fullest expression of love. And Jesus says that your giving should be a secret. Don't do it for prominence, but in everything that you are, give. And I love this. Do you know that this is the only place in Scripture where Jesus says this? That the Father himself will reward you openly. Because where is he seeing in secret? Did you know that God wants your life to be even brighter in secret than it is in public? Sometimes we live a life where if we looked under the rug, it's a horror show. But the Lord says, not my children. My children are going to shine inside out. That who you are behind the scenes is even better. You know, there's a saying that says, don't meet your heroes. God is saying, no, I want you to meet my children. Because they'll be even better behind the scenes than they are publicly. What is a hypocrite? Someone who is publicly godly, but privately wicked. And Jesus says, don't be like them. I desire lives that are holy. Not just meetings that are holy on a Sunday. That's the first secret. The second secret in verse 5 is the very next verse. Jesus says, but when you pray, when you pray... Jesus really believes in you, that you're doing all these things, right? He's saying, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in church on the street corner so everyone can see them. Jesus says, assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Hallelujah. How many of us here, you've given up some things for the fast? God is saying, I want you to keep those things away. Sometimes people fast and pray and they, they give stuff up. And then as soon as the fast is done, they go back to square one. But God is saying, I've got more for you. I want a greater harvest for you. I want your marriage to go deeper. I want your family to be more blessed. I've got things that you can't even comprehend. But for that, for a higher harvest, I need greater repentance. 
And there are things that you just can't accept in your life anymore. You're going to have to learn to switch off that game and go pray in secret. You're going to have to learn to put off your favorite show and go pray in secret. Some of us are going to have to give up some things that have become our pleasure and return to making Jesus our pleasure. You know, last year I remember one of the days when I went to pray, I was really broken in a moment because something had happened in our lives. You know, we all go through some tough times. And I came to pray because I I was going through something very difficult in my life. But as I came and I was bowing before the Lord and I was about to pray about my problem, something hit me and my eyes opened and immediately I changed my prayer. And I started weeping before the Lord and I said, Lord, I am sorry that I am only here because of a problem. I should have been here yesterday. I should be here all the time. I shouldn't just pray when I need something. I shouldn't just pray when life gets tough. I should be here all the time. And I was so broken and I had to repent. And I said, Lord, I don't even want to pray about my problem anymore. I just want you to fix me because I'm the problem. I'm the problem. I should be in your presence all the time, day and night. But why do I only come and seek you when I need something? God doesn't want to have a transaction with you. He wants a relationship. But he says it's in the secret place. Do you know that your private prayer life should outweigh your public worship? For the Father who is in the secret place, He will reward you openly. Openly. (laughs) Then the third one, the third secret in verse 16, it just gets more difficult. That's what Jesus said, right? The narrow road is difficult. Many are called, but few He says, moreover, when you fast, I thought we just ended the fast. Uh Uh-oh. This is the word the Lord gave me for you. Some of you thought the fast is over, and I'm telling you, your fasting has just begun. No! Some of you are like, we need to get rid of these African guys He says, when you fast, when you, Jesus believes in us, when you fast. He says, don't do it like the hypocrites. What do hypocrites do? They want everyone to know that they're fasting. I'm not talking about the corporate fast you just had. That's fine. Then everyone knows everyone's fasting, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that Jesus is saying your private fasting should outweigh your corporate fasting. He's saying don't be like the hypocrites. In Africa, we have these big water bottles. And sometimes you can see when someone's fasting. And they're like walking around all tired with their big water bottle that's bigger than them. Be like, hey, why do you need such a big water bottle? Oh, the Lord spoke to me and... I'm fasting and, you know, oh, God is so good, but I'm so hungry. 
I'm so hot. Please don't eat in front of me, sir. Please. And it's like, that's not how we fast. Do you know what Jesus says? He says, when you fast, wash your face. That's some hygiene points. In the Bible. My wife tells them to me all the time. You need to wash your face. No, I'm joking. Like, wash your face and anoint your head. Put on some deodorant or perfume. So that you do not appear to be fasting. For your father who is where? In the secret place. He will see. And he will reward you. You know what a hypocrite is like? A hypocrite is like a fake flower. They look the part. But what happens when you pour water on a plastic plant? Here's a revelation. Nothing. It can't grow. And some people keep coming into places like here at Nashville Life, where there's a river, where there's life, where there's water, where there's anointing, and you keep wondering, why am I not growing? I'm in the water. Because you have to be true. Plastic plants don't grow. They don't produce. They just look good. But a true plant's purpose is not how it looks, but it's what it produces seed fruit and when it is watered it starts growing i'm going to encourage you this year fast more than you've ever before in your life why because god has got something in store for you but you have to have the consecration that goes with the things he wants to give you don't ever think that you just get apostle peter's anointing because you woke up on a sunday morning don't ever think that the presence of God just goes with you and the favor of God is just there because you decided that you're going to try to be a good person. There is a lifestyle that goes with following Jesus where he says, deny yourself and pick up your cross. Paul says, I die daily. And when you commit, you're going to start seeing things that you cannot imagine. You thought things couldn't get better, and they just, God surprises you. You carry such a presence of God, people just want to be around you. And you know, in closing, we're going to pray. But I want you to know something about these three principles. Here's the sad part. No one else can do them on your behalf. There are no shortcuts to this. I can't give for you. Your husband or your wife can't do the praying for you. Your pastor can't do the fasting for you. There are no shortcuts to this. You have to do it because it proves your determination to live in the righteousness of God, seeking first His righteousness and His kingdom. There's no shortcuts to the process of God. But when you do it, He will see. And people will see 
that something is happening because publicly, God's presence is just on you. Publicly, he, they just see something is happening in your family. Something is happening in your calling. Things you were not qualified for are coming your way. Doors that shouldn't be open for you are being open. God starts elevating you and no one knows why. And they think, why her? Why him? But they don't know about your private sacrifice. Your private worship. God has got more for you. Don't accept this level of mediocrity. Holiness. Consecration. You're going to see some crazy things. Do you believe that? We're going to pray. Can we stand to our feet? I wonder if we could just close our eyes. And just for a few moments, you can forget about those who are around you. And just like the son of Ahab, maybe there's some of us here that we've, we've accepted certain sins in our lives just because we thought, well, at least I'm better than the previous generation. But God is saying, no, I've got a higher standard for you. I've got something more for you. Be holy as I am holy. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. We are going to address some of those things in our lives. God is going to help you. Some of them are immediate. Some of them will be a process. But we will not accept what we know is not of God. And so I'm going to ask you for a few moments. The music is going to go a bit louder. And you're just going to pray personally to the Lord. You know where you are at. And we're going to repent and turn away from those things. And say, Lord, I know you're calling me to more. Forgive me. Forgive me where I've accepted these things in my life. So come on, there we are in your own words. It doesn't have to be loud. I want you just to pray. Whether it's in your heart, under your breath, just pray. Don't accept the level of your marriage. Don't accept what's happening in your family. Don't accept where you find yourself. You know that there's more. Come on, just pray and ask the Lord. Say, Lord, please forgive me. Today I turn away from those sins, Lord. Today I leave that life of unholiness. Lord, I put those things away. Help me, Holy Spirit. Your grace is sufficient for my life. Your mercy is on you every morning. I lay those things at your feet. I put them on the altar. And I cry out for your forgiveness, Lord. Wash me in your blood, Jesus. Give me a pure heart, a clean heart, clean hands. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. I want your reign in my life. I don't want the heavens to be shut over my life. I want your reign, Lord. For me. For my character, help me. I don't accept the sins of my generation. I don't accept the sins of previous generations. You are calling me higher. You are calling me deeper, Lord. I need your forgiveness in my life. I want your presence in my life, Lord.
Come on, as you're repenting, I know the heavens are starting to open over your life. Healing rain is coming over your life today. God is going to heal your marriage, sir. God is going to heal your family, ma'am. He's going to do a miracle in your children's lives, but we have to turn to Him. We have to turn away from our sin. We have to turn away from our wicked ways and say, Lord, I know. I want my life to please you. I want my life to be a sweet smelling aroma. I don't want behind the scenes to be a mess. Lord, clean me up today. Help me. Sanctify me according to your spirit, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You bring dead things back to life, Lord. You cause rivers in the desert, Lord. Thank you for your rain. Thank you for your rain, Thank you for your rain, Lord. Now, right there where you are, I'm going to ask you, between you and the Holy Spirit, you make the commitments you need to make. It's personal. I can't do it for you. Don't be overly extreme. Like, oh, I'm going to pray 12 hours a day. No. As the Holy Spirit guides you in your heart, I want you to start making certain commitments to Him. Personal commitments. Lord, I'm going to be in the secret place. I'm going to be in your word. I'm going to read at least one chapter a day. I'm going to, whatever it is, there where you are, I'm going to fast once a week. I'm going to fast three days a month. Whatever it is, I want you to pray and make certain commitments to the Lord right there where you are. Let Him guide you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to do one more prayer before I step off. With everyone's eyes closed, if you are here today and you are not a child of God, I want to say a prayer with you. Remember, being a child of God is not about calling yourself a Christian or going to church. Or even praying when you get into trouble. Being a child of God means at some point you made a personal decision to leave your life of wickedness and sin, turning to Jesus, allowing Him to forgive you, change you, and fill you with His Spirit. Being set free from sin. Set free completely from sin. And so if that is you, and you've never made that decision, no one can do it for you. You've never decided to surrender your entire life to Jesus. To follow Him. Where He changes you. Some people think, well, we are all children of God. No, Jesus said, only those who are born again. Born of the Spirit. And so I'm going to ask you, if you've never made that decision, but today you say, I want to be a child of God. I want to make that decision. I want to give my whole life to Him. I want to follow Him. I want to know Him. If that is you, you're just going to put your hand on your heart. And we're all going to pray this prayer so that no one feels embarrassed. You're just going to put your hand on your heart and pray this with me. Church, can we all pray this together? Say with me, Jesus, today I call on your name because I need you. I don't want to carry on 
on this path today I decide to leave my old life behind my ways and I decide to follow you I decide to give everything to you I believe that you died on that cross for my punishment so that I can receive forgiveness and a new life Lord take away my sin have mercy on me fill me with your spirit change me and I thank you that I can say I am your child I am born again you are my Lord you are my Savior my life is in your hands I will never be the same again thank you that you lead me you protect me and one day I will see you face to face and enter eternal glory forevermore in Jesus name amen and amen amen come on give the Lord a shout of praise amen hallelujah God is great isn't he do you sense his kindness do you sense God's love his power well that's him all day every day so let's just continue to lean in give pray fast in secret uh, I'm so excited to practice what I've learned today um, I want to just thank God for the ministry and the lives of Pearson and blessing bless you and your marriage and your children and your ministry your church um, I just God has so much in store for you all so much and I just want to honor you for enduring the process people don't see the struggle they don't see the sacrifice and the reason why you're able to preach that because you're living that 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 secret life and I am so excited for the open reward that God is going to continue to entrust you guys with. So, I'm grateful for you. Um, I'm going to ask for the prayer team to come. We're going to offer, we always offer prayer for anybody. You know, maybe you um, heard something in the word and during the message God spoke to you, you, you would like some ministry or some prayer. This team is here to pray for you. Um, so on your way out, please don't hesitate. If you need ministry or prayer of any kind, uh, this team is here for you. Uh, if you want to get more connected to Nashville Life, uh, we've got a really easy way you can do that. You can text the word BELONG, B-E-L-O-N-G, to 77411, and we'll respond to you. It'll be a great way for you to hear what's going on in our church. If you want to just get more information, and then lastly, of course, if you want to give, you can give online or our team will be in the lobby with buckets that can serve you in that way. But I love you. I just pray that you have an incredible rest of the day. May God's presence continue to minister to your life. Show love to him and show love to each other. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have some delicious food. And uh, we'll be back next week. God bless you. Have a good one. The altar is open. If you need prayer.